Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time once again where we have ourselves a collaboration. Do I sense a co-host appearing in the fog? Of, of course. Oh of my course. God, it's Padgy. It Dude, that's not fog. That's smoke because you're on fire. Welcome to Films of Fury X Turnbuckle Talk Radio Podcast Fight Companion Number One, Pat G. Yes, because this is what we do when we watch movies that involve wrestlers. They are fight companions, and leading off the charge is none other than the rowdy one, Rowdy Roddy Piper. So I think the world needs this right now. The world needs the world needs TTRP to sit for an evening and do its very first fight companion on this this beautiful evening in June to the 1988 John Carpenter classic based on the 1963 short story 8 o'clock in the morning by Ray Nelson. This film is considered by many to be one of the greatest cult classics of the 1980s. It is generally well received by critics, uh, more so... today than when it was originally released but this is definitely probably my top when it comes to john carpenter films this one tops halloween and it's not just because of the roddy one it's because of how great this film is rotten tomatoes still gives it an 86 percent which is really good and i mean on all of the metrics for most you know for most critics this is this is considered one of the best that john carpenter did uh, I have Absolutely. to. I have to side note before we continue. This is not Roddy Piper's film debut because, of course, he did 1987's Body Slam with uh, Dirk Benedict from the A Team. But this is definitely his first starring role. Yes, and what was interesting about this film is. It was released November 4th, 1988. So going into the Thanksgiving holiday Christmas season. Election Day. And Yeah, and Election Day. And the budget for this movie, compared to some of the movies that we know today and have that have been released over the past 10 years, $3 million. $3 million total. Was the budget for this film, and it, and it was a Universal Studios picture. So even by their standards, a three million dollar movie, and it ended up making thirteen. So it made ten million. Uh, so it made back its money plus ten. You know, so obviously it had a good reception. You know, it was number one at the box office. Um, and some of the actors that are in it are well known by today's standards. Other than Roddy Piper, you had Keith David, who is you know that guy in a lot of movies but he's a great voiceover actor in a lot of cartoons and adult cartoons and also meg foster who's kind of a uh, a bee queen because she also did canon films master of the universe a short time before that and of course she's made appearances in rob zombie films and whatnot in most recent times but of course this this film is the brainchild of john carpenter who wanted to take a look at the reagan system and this is very much a product of the 80s and oh, it was. and and yuppieism and this is as much a punch to the reagan era as robocop was oh absolutely the funny thing about this before we jump into it is 
the film's original release date was for October 21st, 1988. But it was pushed back two weeks to avoid direct competition with Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, coincidentally a sequel to a John Carpenter. And it was produced by John Carpenter because at that time, John Carpenter was producing them and... Uh, you know the the Halloween history being what it was, he did not anticipate it to be about the slasher killer Michael Myers. The first two obviously were, but number three was supposed to start anthologies, and Halloween, the season, the holiday itself was supposed to be the the point of the film. And then all of a sudden, three came out, season of the witch, which is an underrated horror film uh you know obviously diehards love it, but your average Halloween fan would kind of ignore that one. Uh, that was about the haunted masks, and I mean, it's got a cult following like you wouldn't believe. Uh, Nocturne and his wife love that one, and you know, this is the at this time, Roddy Piper had left WWE. He had actually met John Carpenter at WrestleMania three, and John Carpenter was like, "I can make a movie with him," and then not only can I make a movie with him, I can make him like Kurt Russell in the thing or in escape from new york i can make something with him because if you looked at hulk hogan and the the films hulk hogan was making and i mean the last time ttrp and films of fury collaborated uh we did no holds barred it was vi- hulk hogan's films were not that deep they were extremely sh- they're extremely shallow films can we be and straightforward straightforward shallow films and and always for the most part wrestling related in some way yeah and although roddy piper's outside 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 of suburban commando and maybe one or two others most of them had some kind of wrestling background yeah and although body slam was roddy piper's first foyer into the films um i probably butchered that word i'm way too way too out of the mind to be able to use big words so although that was what a lot of people consider his first starring role this is the role that put him on the map as an actor and i mean roddy piper showed some chops and one of the things was is that john carpenter specifically chose roddy piper because roddy piper looked worn roddy piper showed the years of you know being beat down on his face, which is what the character of John Nada was supposed to be. He's he's the drifter who comes into L.A. and just happens to show up, you could say, right guy, right place, right time, in this apocalyptic, not even apocalyptic, this dystopian world that we're about yeah. to enter. And the thing is, when you brought up the point of Piper meeting Carpenter at WrestleMania 3... I believe WrestleMania 3 was his match um, where he was like, if he, the... Win, lose, or draw, I retire. Yep. Yeah. It it was a hair versus hair match with Adrian Adonis, and that was to be his, like, go-away match. Yes. That's why he was doing the the hair versus hair match with Adrian Adonis. And Roddy Piper, of course, won that match, you know, with the sleeper. He went off the hero... And it gave him an opportunity to go off and, and star in films, which he you know he had talked about in his autobiography, as well as documentaries that were done about Piper. And the other thing that this al- allowed Piper to do was get that Screen Actors Guild card, so that all of the injuries that he was able to, um, you know, that he was not able to take care of while on the road full time, once he became a part time re- worker 
and he was acting, he got that SAG card, so he was able to get operations that would not necessarily be able to be paid for by promoters in certain companies. So if you look at it, not only did they live, give us one of the best acting performances by a pro wrestler, hands down, probably one of the very few rest movies that could not be remade. I mean, it, it stands the test of time, just leave it alone. But also... Yeah, even- even though at one point there was talk about a remake. There was, and then that got shot down, thank God. Um, but this is also the movie that probably helped keep Roddy Piper healthy for, for decades. Because oh. off of this, he got the Screen Actors Guild card. He worked in films regularly. And then, you know, he was able to get all these things replaced. And it also gave us probably one of the best fight scenes in a film ever. Between he and oh, Keith David, the alleyway that, fight. And that, and then that was a inspiration for another WrestleMania ma- WrestleMania match involving Piper. Yes, the Hollywood backlot brawl, which we'll talk to because God knows we have ninety four minutes in chains in order to be yes. able to enjoy this film. So as always, this is what we are going to do, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to ask you to cue your DVD copy or your Voodoo episode up. We are currently Amazon Prime or wherever wherever they live can be streamed at. So get ready, put on your sunglasses, ladies and gentlemen. We're gonna take a walk on the wild side with John Carpenter's They Live in Five, Four, Three, Two, One. Ah, Universal Studio. I missed this one. Like you know, you know what's funny is I love the older movies now having all the warnings for the piracy and everything. Mm-hmm. These old that, ones. That, that, yeah, that's what you know. What the what popped me is talking about another '80s film real quick mm. is we're about to get that third edition of Bill and Ted's Bill and Ted. Oh yeah, face the music. And, teaser trailer using the old school Orion intro. Yeah, and I mean this They Live being uh, put into the spray paint of the mural right here. Very classic John Carpenter with incorporating the background for the credits in with the logo. Um, You know, the, the pumpkin is for Halloween is one of his best ones. Roddy Piper. Here we go. Um... Now, look at him. Just backpack, jeans, boots, looking like a worn... They never explained his background, which is something I love in film. We didn't need an origin story with him because it was Drifter with a backpack. Yep, he was basically just a guy that was like living on the streets, town to town, and whatnot. Like... That's all it was. Very, very sweet and simple. Yeah, I mean, the good part about John Carpenter is he's able to tell the backstory for some characters and and then fill in with how good the actors are. Like, we didn't need the background of John Nada. We didn't need some long, you know, drawn out, you know... 20 minute story of him before it's the story is everything around him he just happens to be the guy walking into the situation like he's doing right now he's just walking down the street 
into this world that he knows nothing about and he doesn't even know he's about to become the most important man on the planet yeah and this is the thing is he's legitimately just walking into like downtown los angeles which that's all it is downtown los angeles you you see the people that are trying to avoid the rain you have the people that are, are living on the street you have the business people like you have all that dynamics and backgrounds of what 1988 Los Angeles was and it's just him just walking yep and I mean the the sad part about it is is that if you were to film this movie today with the homeless and the the drug rampant individuals <laughs> oh, I mean, it's you know here's him going in for job opportunities and you could tell a recession if not a depression is going on Oh, absolutely. And because you got to figure during the during the time period of this, you're in, you're basically like in that Cold War era. Last place of employment, Denver, Colorado. Oh my God, look how young he looked. Yeah. My God in heaven. And his, and and he and he also grew out his hair a little bit for the role. Mm-hmm. Because his hair, because. At Mania 3, his hair was shorter, and he grew it out just to have that kind of drifter, loner, on-the-road on the type view. Hmm. And, and, and what's funny is, you look at how he's applying for a job, like, in this movie, and you look at how things are done now. Oh, yeah. You, you walked into the unemployment office, you filled out paperwork, they looked through a book, they looked for what they had on the wall, and that was it. it now it's all done. You could do it on an app on your phone. And we have the yep. street preacher. Of course, the street preacher. Which, nowadays, stuff like this happens and just, oh my god, reactions. This right here, this scene is today as weird as this sounds like he is telling you this is almost matrix-esque where he's telling you you're being controlled you're being manipulated and then agents show up or the police in this case showed up and just took him away to wherever he was yeah and, and what's funny is just looking at what he's actually saying is so relatable to today. Today, mm-hmm. people, you know, just mind numbed watching television, and nowadays it would be your screen. Yep, the the people just watching the free television, free television in the sort of windows. Mm-hmm. Oh, the shanty towns. Mm-hmm. Which is going on right now in Los Angeles and all over the country. I mean, L.A. especially, it's kind of weird listening to podcasts like Joe Rogan where he talks about traveling through L.A. And there are certain intersections and certain overpasses where you can't even walk underneath them because it's just tent cities and homeless camps. Yeah. And the pandemic only made it worse. It's one of these situations that... It's unfortunate, especially with the times that we're in. But looking back at movies like this that talk, that focus in on 
the politics and everything from that era and time, it it's relatable. Roddy Piper using his smarts in order to say, hey, you know, if this is a union job, why do you have illegals working on it? And then he ends up getting himself a pay, yeah. little bit of a paycheck. Yep. And I mean, the acting, first off, yes, because he's a wrestler and because he's jacked, you have to have him shirtless, ladies and gentlemen. It's Roddy Piper. It's in the contract. But... Yeah, and, and, at the, and at this time, it's Roddy Piper, who he was in a relatively prime of his career because, like we said, he's coming off WrestleMania three. He's coming off a, a one, a year, year and a half run of running with Hogan and Mr. T and being, and being the, what, the top heel of the WWF at that time. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, he's in phenomenal shape right here. And... You know, like you said, the prime of his career. And this is giving his body a chance to recoup from all those years of running the roads. Now, Keith David, we inter- were introduced to his character a minute ago. He was looking over at Roddy. And Keith David, unsung hero. I mean, the th- first off, an alum of John Carpenter because of The Thing. All right? And fans nowadays have heard his voice in so many cartoons on Cartoon Network, and they've seen him in so many movies. Like I said, he's that guy. But I love the fact that he's the President of the United States in Rick and Morty. And meanwhile, he's a dimwit in that show, and in this show, he he's not the sidekick. He's the equal to Roddy Piper. Yes. He did not have a sidekick role in this. He was equal to, not less than. Equal to not less than he and very similar in stature and everything. I mean, you have to think Roddy Piper was billed at what six foot two, six foot three, yeah, maybe six two, six three ish. So Keith David looking down at Roddy Piper. Um, and here is one of those camps that probably the main camp because it seems like this one is well established. Yeah, yeah, it's one of them well-established ones that probably has the assistance of some, one or two people from, like, the the surrounding neighborhoods to give them food and blankets and plates and yeah, that stuff. That amends room. To help, and, help, and help around. Yep. I mean, here's Gilbert, the introduction of Gilbert's character, who, just to make sure that we're all good, ladies and gentlemen, uh... Gilbert was played by uh, Pete Jason, Peter Jason. And he's another one of those 80s guys who, he was that guy in the background. Yeah, and the thing, the interesting thing with him is you, he went on to star in multiple movies and had, did, vo- did voices in multiple video games, uh, mainly the, Gear, the Gears of War series. No shit, so there you go. And, and he also he also had parts in uh, one or two Fallout games, I believe. Now here's where you get the backstory of Frank. And I mean, really, this is the story of the '80s, where you had production plants starting to either take their companies elsewhere overseas. Or we're closing down 
I mean, at the height of Reagan economics, which, by the way, I we we kind of do need to stress here. Pat G and I both were kids during that. Um, this this movie when this movie released in November of '88, I was five years old. I was six. So yeah, and I mean, you look at this, and it's like both of us are pups. Yet this movie still resonates because first off we're we're students of history, but secondly we're seeing this all happen again with tent cities and you know all of the the unemployment. I mean, what was the numbers last week? Was forty million or fifty yeah, million filed for unemployment? Country, and still, yeah. Yeah, the country was at like a fourteen percent rate of unemployment. Yep. This L.A. city skyline, which is weird when you think about, you're seeing all of this. And you're seeing this backdrop, but what you're going to see, and Roddy Piper saying, I believe in America, I follow the rules. Yeah, it's one of those things that it's an interesting thing because you have the times where you had all these trade jobs, the construction, the electrician, and the plumber, and, and whatnot, and then these jobs are starting to fade out. And what's interesting is you get the flip side of that when the hacker takes over the television networks. Yes. Because then you're showing you're showing what the future is going to hold because that that's essentially what happened. You had this end of the era, Cold War era, and everything where people were the homeless and everything were living in shanty towns, tent cities. And the hacker is introduced and trying to get by and then the hacker doing what he is taking advantage of what the developing technology and the cool part about this is john carpenter's john carpenter's they live you see shades of it or where shades of it could be within the matrix and don't this is when you know see the headaches because it's starting to wake you up from your slumber by interrupting but yeah, you, you what's funny with the hacker is if you really look at the hacker and what he's doing with the headaches and everything and what he's saying it's very similar to what people are what like the group of a, a the group anonymous anonymous has done today oh yeah he's He's the start of that, but in the Matrix, one of the things that, at least in the first one, and even in the Animatrix, you know, Morpheus is getting his messages out to the people, which is why he's able to pluck certain soldiers to, to break away from the Matrix, and where he's able to yeah. find them. This is something that I believe you would see a character like Morpheus utilize, or even any of the others. And then, of oh, course, absolutely. yeah. And then, uh, and then, of course, you, you have the you have the people that were watching and everything, talking about headaches and trying to trying to change the channel and whatnot. And then all of a sudden, you get into the the police and everything coming in it eventually at some point and doing what the police are doing now, just ex excluding their authority. The one symbol where you don't think anyone would go, the church. Yeah. 
Which, you know, if you go back to Revolutionary War days and the Civil War and any time in America, they utilized churches as places to gather and because they were considered off limits. You did not go into a church, even military doctrine today. You don't you don't raid a mosque. You don't raid a synagogue. I mean, you have to have a very good goddamn reason to even go near those buildings. Which, you know, considering that this would be the area of operation for these guys where they're getting their resistance fighters, which you'll find out later. Spoiler alert, we're talking. Um, and here's John Nada just continuing on with his bag lunch, heading heading to work. Heading, but he's about yep, to talk to heading, Gilbert. <laughs> Trying to make a living. one of the one of those one of those deals and and like you said in, in historic times the churches and synagogues and mosque and everything have kind of been off limits but this movie kind of showed you that there's people in the world that don't care about your religion your background your upbringing <laughs> the middle class middle class yeah the, which if you look at it now the middle class is considered all but gone you're either oh, yeah. lower class or upper class that's it what's funny is i remember like like we both said when this movie came out you were i was five you were six like at at that time the middle class was kind of you were middle class if you had more than one television. Mm-hmm. Like, I had, like, I had friends, like, growing up in Buffalo, I had friends that lived in certain, I had friends and family that lived in certain areas of the city, around the city, like, the, the outside towns, like, Niagara Falls and Chittawaga and so on and so forth, and, like, middle class to me was, like, you had... Your parents had two cars. You had two TVs. Like, that was the middle class to me. And, and everything. Like, you weren't rich, but you were comfortable. Yeah. And, not, and what's funny is nowadays, yeah, there is no middle class because most people have one, two televisions. They have one or two cars. It's, 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 it's the weirdness of this movie and the thing of the cliche statement of, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it and if and looking at this movie and watching it and everything and how relatable it is to events currently happening here in 2020 like we said this is the te- this is this is what the world needs right now and here imagine imagine a pair of glasses that John Nada gets existing in this world and someone putting them on and and realizing everything now here you go with this is John thinking he's he's stumbled across something huge which he has you have the chemicals on the table you, he, I think he almost thought there was a drug operation going on and then yeah. now you have you know they live we sleep you know the 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 glasses are being worked uh, on Addy, he's putting 
two and two together. Yeah, he's starting to figure out that something is weird, but they don't know exactly what it is. And now they're talking about shipments, and he's listening to all of it, and he probably thinks there's some giant drug operation going on. And he's about to snatch and grab and run. There you go. And of, and of course, he's got the 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 random backing up and and, and making noise and making noise of movies. Yep. See, all of this, if you weren't listening in, it sounds like we need people to be enforcers on the street for this drug war. Yeah. And now. That, like, that's what it sounds like. It like it sounds like they're put they're that setting for a drug war in the streets when. In reality, they're just trying to make people realize what's going on. Yeah, it's a revolution. Oh, the preacher. the preacher's blind but he 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 can sense them because when you lose one sense all your other senses are very aware foreshadowing that he'll be back oh and here comes the helicopter watching the watchful eye of the LAPD yep because we know what's about to happen Oh, our first introduction to the glasses. And, of course... And what's funny is it's the middle of the day. Yeah, it's the middle of the day. And now you have this one homeless guy talking about things that he's heard and cults. And he's trying to undercut everything that's going on. You know, with the hard times, he's trying to to talk about, oh, there's these cults, end of the world kind of stuff. Almost getting these guys ready to kind of, you know, not believe anything they're about to hear. And meanwhile, the one police bird just flying over. Just making the circles around around the uh, the area with the camera on its underbelly. Yeah. That's probably, that's most likely, like... Uh, heat censored or something like that, and that can detect stuff. You can see Roddy Piper starting to put the pieces together, and it shows that John Nada's resourceful. He's not an idiot. Oh, yeah. attention to what's going on and what's funny is it's so weird seeing david keith so young oh my god yo not just not just keith david but some of these actors in this film it's like we've grown we've we've seen them grown and they've become such great actors because what's funny you gotta you gotta look at this is keith david in this was probably in his 30s early 30s yeah probably about the same age as roddy piper at this point 
I think he I think he was I think he was born around the mid fifty like fifty five fifty six around there. So you figure if he was born fifty five fifty six, he's he's like thirty two thirty three right now. Yep. Keith Probably David similar similar to Piper. Yeah. Keith David having his first well, that's what makes their fight their six and a half minute opus of violence later so believable is that they're both men in their prime, believed to be, you know, hard day laborers. And here you have you know, they had their first fight and Roddy's still doing surveillance on the church. Still trying to see what's going on, and then trying, boom trying to piece things together. The police in force coming to this small yeah, right all the right gear and everything. Yep. The people With, that you believe are drug dealers, you know, vacating the premises. Yeah. Of course of course the people of course the people leaving in the cars. Mm-hmm. Which which to which to be honest to the police, it looks like a drug. It looks like a drug deal. It looks like a drug game. Oh yeah, or at least that's what it's made to look like to everyone else, so that you could say, out of this church in this neighborhood and out of this homeless community, they were dealing drugs, which is why we went in there and and bulldozed the place down. Because as you see, yeah. you know, scientific, you know, materials, they're they're trying to, and this dude's just smoking a cigarette. They're trying to investigate something with no rhyme or reason. They're just taking the church. The, 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 they got the CSI, the flashbang. They're just going in full yep. bore. And unfortunately, we've seen this before with homeless camps on the news. Yes. A lot yeah. more recently. And then the cops are just raiding the place. John Carpenter... John Carpenter had such a way. And I mean, look at the ominous police just marching down the road with bulldozers and SWAT vehicles and flares. And this goes to John Carpenter, too, as a director. He knew how to light a scene and how to film something so it felt claustrophobic to you. So the, the lighting wasn't perfect so that everything that you didn't see, you don't see these cops' faces. They're hidden under masks. You don't get any look at them. It's this blunt force just trampling over everything. Yeah, and what's and what's funny is you get you get the close-ups of all the the people in the in the the tent city essentially, and it's just a bulldozer coming in and destroying everything, like. Tear gas. No, no qualms whatsoever. Like all these people's person, personal belongings and where they live and sleep just getting destroyed. Yep. Tear gas and assault rifles. Yep, the riot shields shoving people out of the way. Everyone vacating as quickly as they can in a, in a hue of smoke and tear gas and Try, trying to gra- grab whatever they can that to to rebuild their lives yeah. 
so strange watching this today after everything that's been going on. Like, and look at the person in the vehicle, not even being allowed to get out, just scrambling for her life. Yeah. Like, it's just trying to get out and people running and getting pushed back and get knocked down and pushed away and grabbed and the police oh fighting off the propagandist and the preacher And these men would be on the news and they'd say, oh, they're self-described, you know, they're, they're anarchists or they're drug dealers. And in this world, that simplistic explanation works because the people in charge, you know, they, they run the show. They dictate what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Roddy playing the hero. The thing is, it's just that thing of... People trying to just do the best they can to survive. Oh. Roddy being clumsy as fuck. <laughs> trying, <laughs> trying to get out of there as best as possible. Saving, saving the young kid. And as you see, they're throwing people into the trash pits that they're crushing with their bulldozers. Yes. Jesus. Yep. yep. I mean, this is also John Carpenter keeping you in the dark, using shadows well placed in order to keep you guessing at the world around you. Yeah, as to what's real, what's really happening. Claustrophobic, too. I mean, you could almost... Because you think of They Live, right? And then you think of John Carpenter's The Thing. And it's essentially, you know, claustrophobia. You're in these small areas. You know, you're, you don't get the full view of everything. Yeah, it, you had you had the some of the people that were able to escape, escape and find and find shelter. But you, you're like that claustrophobic feeling is. It's only a matter of time before they find them. And this is this is the hero's journey for Roddy Piper in this. He's the reluctant somebody hero. <laughs> yeah. So somebody start World War Three? Sitting there smoking a joint. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah they did. But like you look at Yeah, back trying to pick up the pieces of where they belong. And the television is still in the background, always going, always keeping you entertained. And keeping you distracted from what's going on. Yeah. As everyone's trying to put the pieces back to their life. And I mean, you look at... This is... This is the moment when everything starts to change. Because he watched that violence take place with impunity and no real reason. 
And Roddy Piper's going to be the dude to finally do something about it because he wants an explanation. Because to him, it seems like there is no explanation for what I just saw. So for he needs what, one. Yeah, for what I wit- for the things that I just witnessed and went through, there is no rhyme or reason or explanation for it, and I need answers. And they painted over the they live, we sleep. Oh, good boot by Roddy. Okay, let's see. And they had a couple of the... All right, there's some of the boxes. Oh, here we go. Slyly... At six foot three, slyly avoiding the police from seeing you. Um, You know, six foot three with with work boots on. (laughs) And, and a box in your hands and kind of just like, oh, cop car, let me, let me dive back in. Oh, Jesus. You couldn't you couldn't lose Roddy Piper if you tried. Okay, now here is the big reveal, the Ray-Bans. You know what's funny is when I saw this movie as a kid, I was six. Because I saw it, cause I was six, and it was my dad... Look at his disappointment on his face. He's like, fucking sunglasses? Yeah. Go ahead. My dad rented it when I was, like, six, after they released it on, like, VHS. And I watched it and remember the scene. I'm like, yo, I want those sunglasses! You know, and this is... This is one of the best reveals in science fiction. Because... Because it's such a normal-looking item. It, it's a normal looking item it doesn't draw any attention it makes no sense to him why they would be looking for sunglasses he's trying to piece this all together because you know John Nada is not an idiot John Nada if you in your own mind created the backstory of this guy this drifter who's lived life and he knows things and he's seen things and now he's putting on these glasses and all of a sudden for the first time kind of like keanu reeves using his eyes for the first time in the matrix he now can see that's the that's the way that i i compare it is is a decade later keanu reeves would wake up from the same slumber that roddy piper woke up from he's never had to use his eyes which is why they hurt using the sunglasses yeah He's like, because it's almost, it's so similar to when Neo Neo used to open his eyes and he realized that the agents were just part of the, were just code in the Matrix. Yeah. He's trying to. And he's realizing the the subliminal messaging of, of things. Because that's what it's showing, essentially. Consume. Which, mind you, the consume has been used in, you know, street art in the last, you know, with the Andre the Giant has a posse with yes. by Shepard Fairey. Um, you know, this is so cool right here because so much, so many jokes have been made off of this that I think I even saw a Kardashian poster. With yeah, this kind of setup. Uh, with, 
with like similar because there's so many things in this movie that you just see the subliminal messaging of of it and now and then you see things over the last couple of years in better in similar ways now i have to ask how many times have you like looked at stuff like this and thought the same exact thing Oh, his first introduction to the aliens. Here we go. Yep. The big reveal. Roddy Piper is selling like a son of a bitch right here. <laughs> I'm sorry. To use wrestling terms, he's selling like a son of a bitch. Yeah. And then he puts him back on. Like, just his eyes. Yeah. You can see where just the shock and utter disbelief of what he just saw. He's this is him fully awake at this point because now he sees this humanoid thing staring at him, and it's almost as though he kind of thinks this guy knows. But then you have the regular. It's one of the things of, do you know or do you not really know type deal. The transmitters on the streetlights keeping you... You know, starting... He's starting to figure this out where everything is not as it seems. Yeah. And and the thing is, is if you really look at what he's looking at, and and we're talking about how this film and everything he sees is relatable to The Matrix. If you really look at this movie, it's kind of... Nothing again, and John Carpenter being John Carpenter, it's very similar to. This could be a '80s version of the Matrix. Yeah, essentially. this is this is definitely a precursor to what you are going to have in the Wachowskis' Matrix a decade later. I mean, obviously less kung fu, still good fights, but here is something that you know I love seeing is that he's noticing. That the people who are down, who are beaten down, are the ones who are not, obviously, these weird creatures that he's noticing. But then the moment he takes the glasses off... The people that are in the the nicely dressed suits and ties... Upper class. Yeah, the upper class of of the world are these weird looking without skin skeleton type people. Yeah, it's it's muscular... You know, it's essentially it's essentially like looking at a live version of Body Worlds. Yeah, it's the bodies exhibit right now. I mean, yep. they're waxy, humanoid. They're talking. You know, and of course, here's the the cynical politician on the television. He's got the glasses, so he's seeing through the the keeping you asleep. 
And I mean, this has been on T-shirts for years. Yeah, the, the, obey, the obey, the obey, and and that symbol right there. And then, oh, he. One of my favorite parts as a kid. Now here, you you're okay. This one real fucking ugly. Oh, Roddy Piper. Yep. And see, here's where he gives it away. From Aldehyde Face. And of course, the communicators. <laughs> yep, and this is and this is where it all this all goes downhill. The the wristwatch. Yep, <laughs> all Rolex wristwatches. You notice that all of them yep. look like high all end. The gold, all the gold. Yeah, and now all of them who have been communicated with are starting to turn their heads to them on the streets. And here comes, and here come, and here comes the cops that are part of it. They're part of it, but I. It's like pouring perfume on a pig. It's this is the thing with the cops, though. Is that some of them aren't wearing the glasses? Yeah. Are yeah. You know, some of them that he sees are clearly the aliens, and then some of them are humans, which is extremely yeah. difficult. Oh, absolutely. It's one. It's one weird. It's the weird thing. It's like you have the you have the cops that are the formaldehyde faces, and then you have the cops are just regular. Yep. Now, he could... Oh, clothesline! I poke, dick punch, Roddy Piper. <laughs> Classic Piper moves. Gets himself a handgun. Now... Mind you, mind you, the cop took a... Oh, yeah, that was a good short clothesline. So at this point, Roddy Piper has just killed two police officers who may or may not be aliens. In downtown Los Angeles, he now has a handgun, a shotgun, and a pair of sunglasses. And coming up is one of the greatest lines. Oh, here we go. More police. Coming up is one of the greatest lines in the history of any film Ever, I dare you to argue that with me. In the oh, bank, there is no argument. It's it's one of the it, this this line has been parodied and used in so many so many things. It's not even funny. I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubble gum. Which, by the way, if you watch the Hot Rod Roddy Piper documentary WWE put out on DVD in 2006, 
That was from the Roddy Piper promo journal that he had. Fucking. Yes. Can, all right, we're going to sidebar for five seconds. John Carpenter's approach to violence in this movie was unabashed because he's showing up close shotgun blasts. He's showing splatter. But if you notice, if you're a human, you don't get the blood splatter. If you're an alien, you get the full-on Hershey's spray. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be walking slowly. Oh, a UFO with a camera. And what what was what was what was great is when he does shoot the dead on accuracy of the shots. Oh yeah. Which okay, I know this is gonna sound weird, right? Oh see officer that isn't all messed up here we go so you can assume that he's probably just a regular dude who joined the force thinking he was doing good meanwhile it's all the other cops around him are you know ruining his mind like just regular regular cop just kind of like get out of here dude yep just leave just go but John Carpenter's approach to the violence against the, the you could say, body snatchers, because you don't know what they are at this point. All you know is that they're skinless humans with, you know, Rolex teleport watches at this point. But yeah. you, you don't know. And, and, what's, and what's funny is he goes right for the media person. Mm-hmm. right for the media person because that's your best that's your best bet as to blowing this whole thing up and he's also noticing that um he's noticing that she is not one of them nope and of course this is you know Meg Foster who some of you will remember was oh police out in force once again notice you don't see their faces their face shields are blurred so that you don't yeah, see the their face faces kind of, they have that that like smoky tint to them yep but yeah Meg Foster, Meg Foster who like we said was kind of that B type act actress and everything at the time that she did this movie she was 40 years old yeah i mean evil she was evil lynn like i'd mentioned yes. in uh which, Masters which Maybe. I, hope, I hope we do that at, at some point i hope we do oh, that movie at some point. you know what we're gonna get evan on that one that way that has nothing to do with ttrp so it's literally just three yeah. nerds sitting there watching one of the best 80s films of all time in fact that is the first movie I remember seeing in a drive-in. And you know the to movie honest, that... To be honest, that was my first drive-in movie as well. And you, you know the movie that was opposite it on the other screen? Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that, this was... Oh, the, 
the big burly neighbor. Yeah. Getting stoned. Hmm. Look at that mullet. That was a beautiful ass mullet. Although she always plays a good villain. Like she just looks oh, that oh, villain yeah. role. Her her yeah, she she was one of them actresses that just had that villain that villain knack. And this is when you see how exhausting it is to wear the glasses. Yeah, because he's he's finally got them off, and he's like trying to he's trying to like he's trying to like gather himself. Which, by the way, you know we haven't talked about this guy much like Neo. Okay, at least Neo knew something was going on, right? He yes. con- he knew that there was a sliver. And even John, you have to admit, you know, looking around and seeing the world, he kind of, he hoped the American dream was real. He even said it. And then all of a sudden, a raid and a pair of sunglasses later and everything he knows is just gone. And, you know, you were talking about how proficient he was with that gun. I would like to believe that maybe John Nada, like, if I were to come up with my own background story of him, ex-service member good at his job gets yeah. gets out and then it becomes a drifter and in the 80s it was believable for someone to do that and then kind of similar to not watching this because it's been a while since i've watched this movie um i don't know if you've ever watched the series burn notice uh where but bruce campbell bruce campbell's character sam axe yes former navy seal now kind of a uh, guy who's just kind of living off his pension checks, like no knows enough people to get by like in law enforcement. I feel like it would be a similar backstory with John Nada. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the story he gave at the unemployment office was real. You know, he probably... No, not at all. Yeah, I mean, obviously he was trying to bullshit his way into whatever job he could get money. But then like... Just look at her. I'm sorry. She looks like a villain. Of course, I also thought she looked better with... The the eyes, man. The eyes. The eyes get you every time. Roddy Piper. Just, bitch, don't fuck with me. He's out of it, but he's still... Cognate. He's still aware. He's still aware what's going on. Oh yeah, he knows. He doesn't trust anyone at this point. I mean, would you honestly? You just shot two cops, no, a, a bank full of aliens, <laughs> and you're just trying to get the fuck out of Dodge in one piece. And this is your best way of doing it: is going to a news lady and kidnapping her. Yeah, absolutely. It, and that's the thing, like. He he was aware enough to find the news lady because it's the news lady. Uh-huh. Like she reports the news, but she's but even though she's not one of them, she still is evil. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean because if you if you look at it, 
and the world we live in today, all news is fake news, right? Like, yep. that's the yep. world where we, assistant program director, Cable 54, yeah, we are, we are told how fake everything is. Yeah, oh. it's the constant, the constant told of the media, the media bends how, bends reality as to how they want to hear Gotta love, gotta love 80s survival movies. He just fell four stories, t- rolled, and all he's doing is limping like he just got his ass whipped. Like, jumped out the window through a glass window. After getting hit with a wine bottle. Yeah, wine bottle in the back of the head, through the window, down four stories, rolling down a hill, onto a street. Now just limping like he has a, a sprained ankle. Oh, hiding oh. hiding under the the viaduct. Now, and what's funny about this movie is this is where it comes one of the greatest fight scenes of theatrical movies of all time. And you know, Roddy Piper and Keith David for weeks got this fight. And cause this was all on them. This was their chance. Yes. To do a really knockdown, drag out fight in the middle of a film, and Carpenter had done violence in his other films, obviously Halloween, uh, uh, Assault on Precinct Thirteen, The Thing had some violence, but it was mostly you know alien attack monster kind of violence. Um, Escape from New York with it Snake was, Plissken. It was never yeah, Escape from New York had violence in it, but it was never like a straight one-on-one, fist-to-cuff-type fight. He, he, he's, got the, he's got the ankle. The, and what's funny is that fall and everything just made him look more rugged and dirty. Oh, yeah. I mean, he looks beat up. And at this point yeah. now, he's, he's going probably on days without sleep, days without food. He just discovered aliens... His head is killing him. He just fell out of a window. He shot some alien cops, and now he's barely scraping by. And he he's got to know that his face is everywhere. And what and what what's the interesting fact is he still has a wedding ring on. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice that. Like that was one of the things I watched. I think I watched this movie like a year ago, a year, year and a half ago, maybe two years. And sometimes you watch movies and you notice little things. And that last scene that we just that we just watched where he's underneath and everything, I was like, "Yo, dude's got a wedding ring on." Like I had never noticed that before. Yeah, oh yeah, holy shit! There it is. <laughs> How come I feel like they used one of Roddy Piper's pictures from a Pro Wrestling Illustrated for his wanted poster? Oh, absolutely. Like, that's short-haired Roddy Piper. 
that's like sh- that's like short hair Roddy Piper per PWI like type type Piper. <laughs> Roddy Piper's face still jacked up. There's the trash truck. I'm sorry, the hilarity... And, and, and the old... And these are the old school tra- trash trucks that, like... Didn't crush trash. Like, it was just put... It was just put in. Can we talk about the hilarity of 80s movies and trash truck believability? Like, didn't Casey Jones crush the shredder in a trash truck? And now Roddy yes. Piper is looking through a trash truck... In order to find the sunglasses that were just put in there. Oh, and here we go. Here, oh. Like, it's not crushed or anything. At least, at least in the, at least when Casey Jones crushed Shredder, he, it, it was like the modern day crush trash trucks with the, with the switch to crush them. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Roddy Piper's cell job with the, oh, no. Kind of like, go figure, this is my day. Yep. He's just looking at himself like, covered in trash, digging for sunglasses, fell four stories. He's got bots. Yep. And here we go, the setup is done. Oh, good shot by Keith David. The intensity of these two actors in this scene. Yeah, and what was and what was great about this is this was them. There, it was not stunt people. This was them. And the the one liners that these two exchange during this yes. fight. You could tell neither. You could tell Roddy doesn't want to hurt him. Yeah. Oh god. And even you can even tell Keith David doesn't want to hurt him either. It's like yeah. I, I don't want to hurt you, but I'm gonna defend myself. And you can see where a movie like this would inspire someone like Quentin Tarantino with some of his fights, because for this has been what? You know that was the cutscenes. Like it keeps yeah. on. Like the violence is just right up close. It's intense. And, I mean, the shots that they're throwing at each other, they look like they're connecting. And the thing is, is Keith, he's not even throwing, like, he's throwing forearm shots. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You dirty motherfucker. Oh, All over Roddy trying to make him look at some sunglasses. Yep. 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 Y
totally just be like, dude, put these sunglasses on. Nah, get away. Fuck. <clears throat> And now he's like, so like, all right, you have, no, you, you stop. Not to mention, they're both in work boots. Yeah, they're both in work boots. It's LA weather. It's got to be, it's got to be the summer of 87. Piper is in work boots, jeans, and a flannel. Keith is in work boots, khakis, and a th- like a thermal shirt, <laughs> and with a t-shirt underneath. Roddy Piper doing some wrestling moves with the back body drops and everything in this, like the boots, the butt, oh. and it gets dirty. That's the other thing. Like this fight gets grimy. I hate these fights yeah. where oh. they're fighting and they're clean looking. I mean, there's no, there's not a lot of blood, but I mean, still, there it. They're in a filthy area, and the cool part about this is, is you just mentioned, like, the, the attire. The Hollywood backlot brawl. Dude. The, Piper, Piper was in a jacket and jeans. A, ja- a leather jacket, jeans, the studded 90s belt, and boots. Yep. And, what, and what's funny is Piper he has even said that this fight was a inspiration for that match. And you can see it too. Oh, absolutely. Just just with the just with the exact certain details of it. Instead of the baseball bat Piper's got the two by four. Yep. There goes the window. Keith David, the makeup effects on this too, where Keith David's head is busted open on the back. You see it's all scraped up. Yeah. Yep. Keith David drops sidewalk slam. Legitimately, sidewalk slam. Oh, they're uh, into the chicken wing. Yeah. Oh, God. And you gotta, and, and what's funny is you gotta think, like, when Piper... Piper's done things in this movie. Like, you gotta admit, Piper's probably shown the guys how to do them just to, just to have the effect. Oh, yeah. I mean, and Piper's probably taken... You know, Piper probably took some potatoes filming this, but this, the special effects oh, yeah. where it's like the knuckles are bloody, the nose is bleeding, the, the, the back of Keith David's head is all torn up from the pavement. And still, Roddy Piper trying to save his friend is not... Yeah, the brush burns and everything. Yep. The mullet in the wind. Oh, God. The simple breeze. Gut wrench suplex as well. Yep. Now 
what's funny is you these guys just spent the last seven minutes beating the living shit out of each other, and now they're both wearing the glasses and going, all right, we got to partner up with this yeah. shit. And the funny part is that Roddy Piper's sitting here, bloody as fuck, just getting his glasses on with one of the best one-liners, life's a bitch and she's back in heat. They go, they're going to a hotel to find a yep. place to bed down, and they're both bloody. Like, the little subtleties, like Keith David's teeth marks in Roddy Piper's left hand on the edge, the busted knuckles, Roddy with the swollen face, because God knows he took a lot of the punishment to the jaw. You know? Oh, yeah. And the, the shots that Keith David were giving him were, like, legitimate forearms and... and fists and keith david the wonder like roddy's already fucking done with this but keith david's wonderment at the world that he's now looking around and seeing you know what i mean like he's now just being like what the fuck am i witnessing yeah and what's funny is like they is keith david's going yo we now knowing who he has to find now Mm -hmm. and that being guilty and that being Gilbert. And then he's still looking around just trying to to wrap his head trying around to, this world. Yep. Trying to like understand it. And then even 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 more with the subtle with like the bruising and marks on Piper's body. Yeah. I mean, the for $3 million, right? Then... For $3 million, they went and gave you everything that they had. Yeah. And I mean, these two guys, they're not heroes. They're just... At this, you know, at this point, they're both confused because they don't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah, they're just—it's two regular guys that work construction and just go on with their daily lives, trying to survive. And doing what any normal group of people would do. Junk food and beer in a hotel. Yep. <laughs> and it looks like they're giving themselves a, a couple of days to recoup. Yeah, like it, it seems to kind of... Like they got the hotel, they got the bed, the chair, some food. Because like we said, er, like we said earlier, it seemed like Piper, had, he's been... John Nada has been going without sleep, without food for at least two to three days at this point. Mm-hmm. And now and you're you, like, granted, granted, Keith David has been working the construction job, so you're thinking he's working ten to twelve hour days, going home to his family, but he just literally spent spent seven minutes in a knockout dr- brawl in an alley. And here you're starting to get to see the backstory of John Nada running away at 13, which, you know, mimics Roddy Piper's life because he himself was on the road 
at a very young yeah. age in his teens. He didn't, you know, he broke into wrestling at 15 and he'd already been on the streets for a couple years. And you look at this and you can What's see... What's interesting is not to get off topic with how, with Roddy Piper and his story of wrestling and, and leaving at a young age and getting into wrestling at a young age everything... And the fact that Ronda Rousey has said that he's been such an influence to her, if you really look at what Piper's done wrestling-wise in the story, it's very similar to what Becky Lynch has gone through. Mm-hmm. I mean... The, like, the, the young age and, and leaving home and getting involved in everything. And, you know... With her, with the success at the young age. And here's Gilbert finding them. Yep. With the sunglasses. With the sunglasses, which is very important. And and what was funny is, is the, these were the old school Ray-Bans that were like... In the late 80s, early 90s were like $100. Oh my god, Ray-Bans. I remember when Men in Black came out and the Ray-Bans that they had for yeah. those. They were $180 fucking sunglasses. Yeah, the, and, the Ray-Bans that Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones wore. Yup. Yeah, we're definitely into Act 3. You know, at this point, it's probably been a week or so since they've discovered this. The The, the battle scars are all healed up. And they're yeah. meeting Gilbert and this resistance. And you're now about to get um, real the, into yeah, it. Yeah, with the... And, and, and like, Neo, like Neo and the Matrix get the quote-unquote upgrades. Yep. Which, now you're going to see some really cool stuff because, you know, there are people that they know. You're finding out the network that really is going behind it. And this is one of my favorite things. The contact lenses. what they learn about the aliens mm-hmm. with the aliens using global warming of all things which if you think about it they're terraforming the planet which you look at the way it's done today i mean there's yeah. so much talk about it you can go into the conspiracy right of the reptilians living under the world under the the hollow earth and that they're they're using fossil fuels to terraform and all this other stuff. And now you're finding out, obviously, um, the, tr the truth behind it is, you know, these people sell out. They become uh, in bed with this alien race. They become rich. And then next thing you know, everything's being terraformed. Like the, 
the professor right here is saying. Yeah, he, he's like every, he's like everybody's doing what they can to get rich, bigger houses, bigger cars. Which is funny because, um, you know, you you can do the research on this, and a Universal executive looked up and uh, said, "We all yeah, sell out uh, every day." And that mo- line ended up in the movie because if you think about it, uh, you, that's that's what you do. You sell out within a certain degree. I mean, without bringing politics left or right into it, that's you have to take that into consideration. It, it's very similar to and how they're talking about like buying bigger houses and everything. It's very and how the aliens are like talking people into basically bribing them it's similar to developers going into a certain area and buying people's prop land and houses and everything and make forcing them out just to get just to get the land and build up and build a mini mart a mini mall or something mm-hmm. uh, the eminent domain and yeah. just the the fact that in the in the decade of decadence the excess of the 80s to think that there would be people like Ted Turner or, or, you know, all these billionaires who were either aliens themselves or were willing to get in bed with aliens to get rich. I mean, the entire thing about the 80s was excess. Fast cars, fast women, fast drugs, you know, more money, more money, more money. And then you look at it and... You, this... you just look at some of the... Look at look at the music industry in the eighties with with like rock bands. Oh God, hair bands, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the entire thing was about excess. You know, Motley Crue, yeah. Def Leppard. I mean, it was all about this sex, drugs, rock and roll lifestyle. And then the funny part was, is the the rollback from that was the nineties, obviously, and the way that that works. Yeah, and then. What's funny is you get you get to that everybody's building up. You have the contacts and everything, and then you you have that moment where the whole resistance is taken out in one fatal blow. Yeah, I mean, except for you know, except for your key characters. Yep. Are you okay? No, bitch. I fell four stories. <laughs> Yo, I still can't. I her eyes, man. Her she, eyes are I, just intense. She's got like, those. There's, eyes. People, there's people with blue eyes, and then there's Meg Foster. Yeah, eyes. Meg Foster's eyes are that of a Mortal Kombat villain. Oh, absolutely. In her younger days. If you were to do it now, yeah, she could totally be. Oh, and the explosion. That 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 momentary pause.
just unabashed violence. And like we said, John Carpenter has done violence before in movies, but it was never to the extent of what this movie has. No. I mean, because the blood splatter on the chalkboards, the the yeah. the convulsing of the woman who is dying. And then look at, once again, the, the, the streets are lit up, the just the right amount of fog, the... Con- the the claustrophobia the, of the, the way master the t- t- just with that that smoky thing where you can't see the cops' faces or anything like that. Yep. The resistance fighting their way through an alleyway, right. so they're they're constantly blocked off on all sides, above and below. The the camera the camera angles being not as, just sharp enough to ha- let you see the action, but then. But uh, distorted enough to make you go, did I see what I think I saw? And Roddy Piper, once again, like, his proficiency with the guns. Yes. You know, if that were your average smuck on the road, I don't think that they'd be as good with the weapons that he has. Yeah, that's why, like, to be honest, like, John Nada has to be had to been some kind of like special special forces special ops type type person. Yeah. And the fact that he's got the wedding ring on, it's like you don't know if his fam- his family's alive or dead. No. But with him being a drifter, and maybe him having the life that he did, maybe like I said, I alluded to. Bruce Campbell's character, Sam Axon Burn Notice, kind of living off his pension checks. Maybe John Nada decided to be a drifter, protect his family, and his, and his that money's going to his family. Oh, shit. And that's a good backstory. And here we go with the portal. Now you're about to see... Yep. Now you're about to see the whole show. Five seconds. Four seconds. Three seconds. Which is why I, I do like your idea that if he wasn't special forces, he was definitely trained. Oh, absolutely. He he knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And now now they're now they're somewhere where it's like we don't know where we're at. <laughs> and this is where you see the inner workings. Yes, the. And everything, and then they realize where they are at because they're un- they realize they're underneath the television studio. Yo, it's the same prop for Ghostbusters. Yes, it was. I was waiting for you to notice that. It is the it is the know, ecto I counter. Notice, I did not notice that before. Yes, that is. That was the communications <laughs> tool. Yeah. The commu- Yo. All right. Notice something new. Here is Success. one of here is one of my favorite favorite moments. 
yeah, when they stop, they they stumble in on the. 20, yeah, by 2025, the United States and the world will be owned by them. Well, five years to go. Wow. And if you and if and if you really look at it, it is they're talking about the powerful and the elite and everything, and you look at what's going on in the country now with unemployment rates and everything and people not working in the economy. And it's it's a mixture of the two. It's a mixture of the aliens and it's a mixture of the people that have sold out. Yeah. And here you go. The piece of shit homeless dude. Yep. Is the ultimate sellout. And and, that, and they and they're like, yo. They don't know what to. They're playing it super cool. Oh yeah, they're they're like they're not sure what to make of it just yet. Because they're gonna let this fucking idiot talk. They're gonna let him talk himself into his own grave. Like right now. letting him show letting them letting him show them the operation oh yeah see this is what happens when you get the low man on the totem pole that doesn't know when to shut the fuck up loose loose lips sink ships yep the the guy that the guy that's part of the organization that thinks he has some power but has no power whatsoever oh yeah and then the interdimensional transport yep the the transmitter and everything freaking beat me up Scotty ingenious ingenious and what's funny is it's it, it's that it, like that open and you have just that that subtle bit of wind mm-hmm. or air He has no earthly clue how anything works or what's going on. All he knows is he's rich and he's boozed. And, and he thinks he's one of them. Yep. Keith David's subtle eye expression where he's just like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> the, the eyebrow lift. Like, this motherfucker. And there, he's letting him just lead wherever he wants to go. And what's funny is, like, you have you have like the guards and everything, kind of like, oh, he's they're with him, they're good. Yeah. Like, no, no awareness whatsoever. Yeah, he's just walking, walking them through. And this is when you see that they're at cable 54. Yep. 
And that this entire time, that's exactly where it's been. That, that that's where the headquarters has been the entire time, and that's and and that's the thing, the power of television, as as we've seen multiple times throughout the movie, the TV's been running. Yeah. playing it so cool they're just be like can can we can we see Dude. Roddy trying to play That's a Roddy Piper move too They're going to leave us alone, let us have money. Yeah. This, and what's funny about this speech, it's so relatable to things nowadays. There's the line, we all sell out all day. Yep. And the thing of, I know you want it, everybody does. Yeah. It's it's the million dollar man. It's everybody has a price. Yep. Yo, imagine if Ted DiBiase was this guy. Oh my Jesus. At least the inspiration... Oh, hand grenade. I love the teased up 80s hair. Man, nothing is better than 80s hair. See, I would like to believe oh. every single person in here um, like, is a bad guy. Everybody was an alien, but it wasn't everybody. And and them having the contacts, just the dead-on accuracy of both men with, with our automatic machine guns. Oh, yeah. Excuse me? They're just walking through the office casually with the AR, with the with the ARs. Yeah, just being like, "Hi, we have guns." Uh, thank you. And I mean, you have to think. I know yeah, this is gonna the, sound. The pregnant, the pregnant lady. The pregnant lady the with coffee. the giant bottle of coffee, and just do all of the people in here know about the aliens? Yeah, like that's the like, like that's the interesting thing. And Roddy Piper being so polite to everybody. No elevator today. I hope your feet are feeling good. Oh, there's there, there's high tech security. Yep. 
with their high-tech communication stolen from the Ghostbusters set. Yes, yes, absolutely. Sir, are you trying to detect, go- detect ghosts? Are you worried about spooks, interstellar dimensional travelers, and Roddy Piper? Oh, once again, yeah, the, the deadly accuracy of these guys. See, I would I'd like to believe that not all of them are in bed with the aliens cuz those dudes seem genuinely scared. Yeah, like like going through this movie, there's people that seem generally like oh shit, what's going on? And then there's people that are legitimately trying to attack them. Every time I see that now, all I have in my head is is Ghostbusters lines also i love the close-ups on of the 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 end of the ar and how accurate they are the muzzle flash that's all you're seeing and how the fuck did she get there he's not questioning this at all he's not questioning holly at all She was in front of an explosion. Yep, and she she's got her hair did, and she's changed and clean, and neither of them are questioning anything. Nope. Ah. The muzzle, the muzzle flash. Oh, oh. All right. Well, I'm out of ammo now. I'm going to the hand, the handgun. Frank. I know. It's such a sad Yo, part. He didn't even know it. And that's the thing about this movie. If if you're watching this movie for the first time, you don't expect that. No. Roddy getting the look at the communications. And the utter defeat of Roddy at that second. Yeah. Yep. When he turns around, like his, the the defeat of his of his facial features. Him holding his wrists. Yep. Like just the the complete just. His whole body language. Everything. And Roddy... Fuck it. Yep. He's like... You know what? If I'm gonna... If I'm gonna die, I'm gonna... If I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die for a reason. Mm Mm-hmm. The cool visual of the explosion on top of the news. Yep. It's that, not even news. The, it's the, an entire cable network. The typical 80, 80 special effects. Yep.
facade is the facade is done. Everybody can see what's going on. And we've got one of the best reveals at the end of the movie. Hey, what's wrong, baby? <laughs> and I love with that... The, with, the, with, the, with the marry and reproduce in the background. And I love the the swipe at um, Siskel and Ebert. Because Gene yes. Siskel was... Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert were so against horror movies. They hated them. They thought they were trash. You know, they constantly would take swipes at... You know, George Romero and John Carpenter. And I mean, especially considering that John Carpenter got run through the mud after the thing, that the next movie he made was Starman. You know what I mean? And it's like, you look at that today, and the the movie doesn't seem bad. I mean, in comparison to some of the stuff. And like you mentioned earlier, uh, Rotten Tomatoes has gave the film an 86% approval rating based on 63 reviews the average rating is 7.2 out of 10 the website's critical consensus reads as a politically subversive blend of horror and sci-fi they live as an underrated genre film from john carpenter metacritic gave it gave the film a weighted average of 52 out of 100 based on 10 reviews indicating mixed or average reviews um Jonathan Rosenbaum from the Chicago Reader wrote, Carpenter's wit and storytelling craft made made this fun and watchable, although the script takes a number of unfortunate shortcuts and the possibilities inherent in the movie's central concept are explored only cur- curiously. It, it was one of the movies that just, it got solid reviews, but there were questions about it. You know, I think the reason why is, is that there are certain movies that are way way too smart you know what i mean for their time and i think this probably in their minds got lumped up in the same kind of um give me two seconds to think this probably got lumped up in the same kind of category as some of the other you know mindless sci-fi vhs movies and it probably and to some critics having Roddy Piper as the star would be like the death bell for it. I disagree. I think that it only enhanced the film. The, the interesting thing is uh, the two the 2012 documentary film The Pervert's Guide to Ideology uh, presented by Slovene philosopher and psychoanalyst uh, Slov Zizek. He basically, he stated that they Live is definitely one of the forgotten masterpieces of the Hollywood left. The sunglasses function like a critique of ideology. They allow you to see the, see the real message beneath all the propaganda, glitz, posters, and so on. When you put the sunglasses on, you see the dictatorship and democracy, the invisible order which sustains your apparent freedom. You know, I really don't that know. that was a quote from a documentary eight years ago. And, you know, to be honest, I really don't know how to end this podcast on a better way than basically saying that this is more relevant today and was still relevant 32 years ago. 
And without a doubt, without a question, not only is it one of the best movies of the 80s, but I would dare say that Roddy Piper's serious tone in this set the stage for guys like The Rock to be able to do serious film later on. Oh, absolutely. And the interesting thing is with this with this is there are so many things that in media that have used this film legacy wise it they it was it's been used in video games um it's been paid homage to by by bands it's been paid homage to by various by various tvs and video games um the, the classic line, I've come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum, uh, it was paraphrased in Duke Nukem. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, so so awesome. And then on top of it, um, over the last over the last eight years, there's been, where it's this movie's been attached to other movies. Um, Universal Studios, back in 2014, I remember seeing it, had a four had a four movie midnight marathon pack and it was the thing village of the damned virus and they live together and it's the thing of yes it's one of them cult classic movies that not a lot of people know about but the the way it just relates to life now it's crazy yeah, and, you know, to to just say that this is one of the best political movies as of all time. I mean, you could say this is, you know, because this is based on a story that was based on Invasion of the Body Snatchers concept. And at that time, you know, in the 1950s, it was communism, the Red Scourge, you know, McCarthyism. Now, in this film, and even going forward... It's high-powered people playing you like puppets and taking it one step further, aliens playing humans playing other humans like puppets, which is just masterful, even for today's standards of storytelling. Um, definitely not one I ever, ever, ever want to see redone. But so, no, not at all. So that wraps it up for Pat G and I on this special collabo Turnbuckle Talk radio podcast, Films of Fury, uh, Fight Companion number one, where it was Roddy Piper in They Live. So we're going to scour the interwebs for other wrestler-related movies, and you know, we're going to do more audio commentary tracks every now and then for the two podcasts. Have some fun with this. So I hope you enjoyed tonight's viewing, and for Pat G., this is Sergeant Fury uh, saying stay furious. <laughs>